Praise the Lord. Well, we'll worship some more Wednesday night. You may be seated. So glad to see you this morning. Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, listen, we have a real treat today. Part of our traditions here at our church, you know, Christmas is a special time for all of us because of the traditions associated with it. But one of the traditions for us is we have friends from Mexico Ministries, Larry and Mary Lou Myers. We kind of adopted them about... 20 years ago at Christmas, they're ministering to the entire nation of Mexico, and uh, we just, I just felt the Lord say, you know what, honor them at Christmas time, just bring them, make them a part of the family, and uh, Brother Larry is a spiritual overseer in our church, and what that means is he rides around with me whenever he comes to town, make sure I'm living right and doing right, <laughs> but anyway, we had a good little visit yesterday, and uh, I think he'll give me an A, he better, Amen. or A plus, I don't know. You'll have to ask Santa Claus. That is not the answer. Well, you're going to call Santa for me. Well, anyway, when he comes, you know, 35, 34 years ago, he was pastoring a church in Denton, Texas, I think, Assembly of God Church, and the Lord called him to go to Mexico. Didn't have any supporters. His denomination said he was too old, didn't know the language, and no money. Now, how many know that's not a strategy for success? But I've asked him to, to share with us a little bit about what God is doing through him. He'll tell you he was just an uneducated Cajun, grew up on the banks uh, of a river, but he yielded his life to God, and God has literally used him to change a nation. Now, that's a big thing, and I don't say it lightly. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches, hospitals, orphanages, Bible schools, multiplied ministers' networks throughout the nation, all because a guy said yes. And I want to encourage you to open your heart to him and listen to him as a father, as a grandfather today as he opens the Word of God to us. Give him a big hand, Brother Larry Myers. Good morning, and to the rest of you, good morning, and to those that are still asleep, it's still a good morning. I love the little girl in the red pajamas or whatever she had on. That's <laughs> that said that he was on Santa Claus's naughty list. I like to adopt that little girl. She's got her personality. Reminds me of another young man who had quite a personality, Trent Schaefer. That is Tom Schaefer. That helped me in the medical ministry in Octoyuk. Uh, been with me almost 30 years. One day, Trent went to church in Brownville, Texas at night, Wednesday night service. So he goes to church and the pastor calls on him and says, Trent, little youngster. Would you stand up and give us a word of testimony? He gets up. He said, glad to be here. Sorry my dad can't be here. He's smuggling a monkey across the border. But thank you for your support. And then he sat down. <laughs> the honesty of a child. <laughs> so I, I like that little girl that was in the red this morning. She's quite a person. Good to be here with you. Let me say, I'm not smuggling any monkeys, but let me say thank you for your support. You've been a blessing. You've been a great part of us for 20-some years now. Long, long time. You've done a lot for Mexico. You've got great pastors. And my mama would say both of them. So thank you, Pastor. Thank you for Linnell, wherever she may be. Beautiful daughter, another beautiful daughter, handsome son. You're blessed to have 
great leaders in your church. Thank you to all of the elders and the deacons and everyone that's on staff. You've followed your, your leader. You've kind of cloned your life after him. And that's why this is a beautiful church. I was so amazed at the number of children. I do not believe that I have ever preached in a church that had this many children. And I preached in some large churches, large churches. But this is amazing. If you ever have a moment of discouragement, picture back in your mind what you saw up here. I'm going to preach the same message I preached earlier, simply because my wife insisted on it. But I had a whole different message that I wanted to preach, entirely different. And I wanted to invite all the children to come back to the platform during the message because I was going to preach on believing and standing on the word. We're in the midst of a tremendous storm across our nation. Not only across our nation, across the world. Every nation is touched by this storm. Severe storm. And I wanted to preach on standing on the word of God. Believing what he says. Believing his word. And we're going to come out of this storm. But if you fall back on the media, you believe the secular world, you believe the politician, you're going to have a horrible, horrible duration of a storm that's touching this world. There's only one that can say, peace, be still. Never have I seen a politician stand on the bow of a boat in the midst of a storm and say, peace, be still. Never have I seen a Hollywood actor come out who knows it all and stand in the midst of a storm and say, peace, be still. I really wanted to preach that message and have every one of the little kids listen to me. You see, it might not be that important to you, but to those little kids, they have to stand on the word. There is no hope for them outside of Christ and him crucified and his love for them. Invite me back. I'll preach that message. Or better yet, I'll give one of the pastors here the notes and let you preach it in the first person. But to please Jan and to please Mary Lou, I will preach on Dale La Pena because they were not here this morning. And I dismiss all of you guys that were here this morning. You go home. You might, it's over with. You already know what I'm going to be preaching. Dale la pena. I want to preach this because it was the first time I'd ever preached it this morning. It ministered to me. And if a sermon doesn't minister to me, why should I share it with anybody else? It's got to start right here. It's got to be from my heart, from my soul, from my spirit, deep down within me. And so I was touched by the message this morning because it came from God. And it was for me as well as it was for anyone else. So turn with me in your Bibles to the seventh chapter of the book of Acts. 
Vale la pena. What does vale la pena mean? You got Mexican? Huh? That's a Mexican. She's short, but she's still Mexican. What does vale la pena mean? It's worth it all. It's worth the struggle. Worth the pain. Worth the heartache. Worth all that you go through. It's worth it. Vale la pena. I know that in this congregation, I'm sure that there are those who are having difficulties. If you're not having difficulties, raise your hand if you're not having any difficulties at all, because we're about to receive another offering. <laughs> now raise your hand if you're having difficulties. I figured that. The rest of you, I don't know what. I'll, I'll preach something else for you. Valley La Pena, all of us face difficulties. If you never had a problem, you'd never know that God could solve it. If you've never been sick, you'd never know that God could heal you. If your family has never had problems, you wouldn't know that God had a solution. Vale la pena. All of us have trials, tribulations, deep valleys. But I have to tell you one thing, your reward, when you come out of that problem, your reward will outweigh your struggle. What God has in store for you as you come out of that deep valley that you may be in today, the reward will be greater than the pain you suffered and endured in that valley. Valley La Pena. Worth it all. Worth it all. Now let's read. Verse 54, Acts 7. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick. They began gnashing their teeth at him. This is, this is Stephen, first deacon chosen to serve the widows who were being neglected giving the apostles the proper time to study, to pray, to prepare, and to preach the very word of God. So Stephen was chosen, being full of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. I like King James, the Holy Ghost. I like, it, just, boom, it has something about it. Being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intensely into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Glory to God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the Father's right hand. They cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one mighty force of anger and hatred. Conley sound like the word when you try to tell them, peace, be still. When you share what pastor shared, this is Christmas time. They don't want to hear it. They stop their ears. They gnash their teeth. They don't want to hear that. Bible said when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen, 
as he called on the Lord and said, Lord, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this against them. And having said that, he just fell asleep in the arms of God. Hallelujah. The title of this sermon and the reason that this sermon was born just a few weeks ago. Morning was the first time I'd ever preached it. I had built a church, beautiful church, in the poorest area of the town of Tuxla. Tuxla is the capital of Chiapas. It's a big city, big, huge city, multitudes of people. But like every big city, there are areas of it that is poor, very poor. And I, we are blessed with having a beautiful church, gorgeous church there. You've been there, Linnell. It's a gorgeous church. Beautiful gymnasium for the kids to go and just play soccer, play basketball. Everything that you would want, we have it there at Tuxla. We just finished a beautiful dormitory that our Americans will no longer have to... To, to rent a motel, no longer have to eat in a restaurant. We've got a kitchen set aside just for the gringos. Beautiful. Everything that you would want, we have it. And so we were, we were there one day, and, and Carlos asked me, he said, would you like to go over and see a church that's in need? Well, I thought, yeah, you're setting me up now. I've been down that road. Hundreds of times, as the pastor said. Oh, come, we just want you to say hi. We just want you to visit. And, you know, some places we greet like this. And some places we greet like this. <laughs> so I thought, this another setup. So I went anyway. And what I saw touched me to the quick. One of the poorest looking little old shacks on the top of a hill that I'd ever seen. Pure cardboard, tar paper, black tar paper. You know what this is. In East Texas, you know what this is. Black tar paper, cardboard with a dirt floor. And there's a, a pastor and his wife, beautiful lady, and four children. And that was their church. And I said to the pastor, how long have you been pastoring this church? He said, four years. Four years? And this is all you have? I didn't tell him that. But I'm, in my heart, I'm thinking, this is all that you have after four years of labor. But then when I looked around, I realized it. There probably wasn't $40 in the whole communion. But the faith of that man, year after year, four years, he preached the word of God, faithful to the call of God. And so we built this beautiful church, finished it up. And I was down there just a few weeks ago. And I'm sitting on the outside admiring what I had just painted Admiring what I just built. Admiring a beautiful church. Solo Cristo Salva. Only Christ saves. And I thought, how beautiful. Pastor's wife walks out, standing on the little uh, walkway in the front of the church. And, and her husband had a bad limp. And uh, he had lost his leg. He had a prosthesis uh, to walk on. So I asked her, I said, ma'am, how did he lose that leg? Was he born with a bad leg? Did he have an accident? 
Did he cut his leg some kind of a way? Why, why did he lose his leg? And she said, my husband was in the military. We were in Mexico City. He was a sinner. He did not know God. Went to board a train and slipped and fell under the wheel of the train and severed his leg. Four children, a mother in Mexico. Can you imagine the difficulty that she had? I mean, if I lose my leg, Mary Lou has enough insurance to live the rest of her life. She has enough friends to live the rest of her life. If Mary Lou ever has a need, are you going to let her down? You'll stand with her, won't you? Imagine a Mexican mother with four children in Mexico City with nothing, and all of a sudden the load that fell upon her, the responsibility of tending to her husband for eight months, suffering in and out of the hospital, and taking care of four children. Tremendous tremendous problem. But then she looked back at that beautiful church. She's standing there and she said, but Valley La Pena, worth it all. Worth all the struggle. My husband is saved. My husband knows God. My husband can preach up a storm. And now we've got a brand new church to worship God in. Valley La Pena, worth it all. Worth all of my struggles to care for my children. Worth all of my prayers to pray for my husband. Worth everything. It is worth it all, Valley La Pena. Hallelujah. Worth it all. And so I thought I might preach that. If you never had a problem, you wouldn't know that God could fix it. If you never had an illness, you wouldn't know that God could heal you. If you never had a financial problem, you wouldn't know that God can supply the needs. If you never had a family problem, you wouldn't know that God's a solution. Vale la pena. Your reward outweighs your problem tremendously. Pastor Fabian is his name. You would call him Fabian. I thought of Stephen here. Where could I go with this sermon and, and, and bring a point that you could understand? Stephen was one of the greatest preachers of his time. He was only a deacon. But I don't know that Peter could hold the people spellbound like Stephen could. A man of eloquence, a man powerfully anointed by the Holy Spirit. We try to preach oftentimes without that unction of the Spirit of God. And I tell you, it goes about from here to Linnell and back. But that's about as far as it goes. But when the power of God comes upon the Word of God, it saturates the building from the back to the front, from wall to wall. When power of God is in the midst of a message, the work of God is brought to perfection. And so Stephen, they brought him before the council, and they began to, they began to tear him up. 
lying, lying. Some people say you're saying this. Others say you're saying this. Others saying you're talking about this. Others saying you're, 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 you're not obeying the law. Others said, and they were tearing him up. And the Holy Ghost came upon that man. And he said, well, let me tell you something. And he began with Abraham. And he went down through every prophet all the way to Jesus Christ. And he nailed it when he said, you crucified the very Son of God. And they rose up, gnashing their teeth, stopping up their ears. People don't want to hear the truth. I'd love to preach this message in Hollywood, California. I'd love to preach it in, in the Senate in the United States. I'd love to preach it to Congress. I would love to preach it to those who really need to hear it. Because a lot of people are hurting and struggling. And a lot of people are just shutting their ears and don't want to hear it. People who could help but won't help. And the Bible said they drove him out of the council, drove him out of the town, still screaming at him, still just railing against him, took him outside and began to throw the stone, took their coats off, laid it down at Paul at Saul's feet, who later became a great man of God. Laid his coats down and stoned him, watched the stones hit him, watched him bleed, watched him suffer. You, you can't help but hurt when you're dying. And here this great man is dying, and they're still throwing more stones on him, watching him suffer. And then he lifts up his eyes, and he says, look at there. I see him. I see the Son of Man. And he's not seated at the Father's right hand. He's standing at the Father's right hand, like I'm somebody special. He's going to receive me. He's standing to receive me. He's paying me honor. And I think a little Spanish must have come out of him. I think Stephen must have looked up there and said, My God, vale la pena. Valley of pain, worth it all, every stone, every accusation, every gnashing of teeth for me to be able to look and see you standing to receive me. I pray to God, I pray to God that when my time comes to step out of this world into the other world, I pray to God, I won't see my Lord sitting down. I pray that I won't see him resting in half asleep. I want to see him stand up. I want to see him stand there and reach his hand out and say, Brother Larry, come on up. And I'll say, Valley the Painter, all that I've gone through in life, it's worth it for this one moment to see my Lord. Valley la Pena. Moses, greatest pastor who ever lived. Sorry, pastor. Better than you. Greatest pastor, hands down, who ever preached the word of God. Biggest congregation. That little guy down in Houston got that little old thing down there. That's like a little junior high Sunday school class in comparison with the, the church that Moses was pastor of. Numbered into the millions. I've heard from one to three million estimated. Tremendous congregation. I would have a hard time pastoring that little 
multitude of kids that were here, much less all of that. But, you know, if every one of them would have loved him and, and, and just be faithful like, the, like you are to this pastor and his wife, if you would have honored, if they would have honored him like you honor these, if, if they would have been obedient like you are to these people, it would have been a piece of cake, pan comida. It would be just a piece of cake. It would be wonderful. But can you imagine what he endured almost every day of his travels? And that didn't last just a week. It didn't last two weeks. It didn't last a month. It was years and years and years from the leaving of Egypt to the crossing into the Canaan land. Years, 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 40 years in the desert alone. How many times did they come to him and griping and grumbling and complaining, you don't have this. If you do, call me back. I'm one of your overseers. Let me talk to him. Griping and grumbling. We should have stayed over there with the garlic and the onions. There were no graves in Egypt. Why did you take us out of here to see us die? It's your fault. We were okay. We were, we were working hard, but we were okay. You brought us out of here, and now we're going to die. I preached on that last night, the bad day along the way for Moses when they turned on him. They wanted water, and God told Moses, Touch the rock, speak to the rock, and outflowed all the water you could drink, all the sweet water. No purification, no pills put in anything, but all the wonderful water. God just gave it to them because of Pastor Moses. And then they turn around and say, yep, that's good. We want some meat. We want some bread. And God opened the windows of heaven, poured out the bread. Every day, every day gave them all the bread that they could eat that day. But no, they weren't happy. We want some meat. And I believe that it would have continued on and on and on and on and on, wanting something that they didn't have. Can you imagine the struggle that Moses must have had? But when he walked up to the mountain at the end of that trip, Mount Pisgah, stood on the mountaintop with Pisgah. God said to him, looking across the Jordan, that's the promised land. You've done your job. And then God just rocked him to sleep and buried him on the mountainside. Your journey was complete. But I believe that when Moses got a little glimpse of what was over there, I believe that the joy began to spring up into his life. In fact, I know it did. Because when Jesus said to Peter, James, and John, go with me to the mountaintop, we're going to pray. They go up to the mountaintop, Peter, James, and John, and all of a sudden, as Peter, James, and John are sitting there on the ground or on a rock or wherever they were, my God, what is that? All of a sudden, Jesus, the Bible said, begins to glow, begins to be transfigured in the front of the disciples. And they said, look, there's Elijah. And look, there's Pastor Moses. Not only did he endure all those years in life, but he'd been dead forever. And there he is alive, and he, he's talking with Jesus. And I'm thinking, they looked at the eyes, 
big looking at Jesus and Moses. And in my mind, I see Moses as he glances back over, kind of forgets Jesus, forgets Elijah, looks back at those apostles and said, Dale la pena. <laughs> it was worth it all because now I'm walking with the King of Kings. Now I'm in the presence of the Lord of Lords. Now I'm in the presence of the Eternal One. Forget about all that that happened. Now it's worth it all. The reward, the reward outweighs the struggles. Are you understanding me? Vale la pena. Job. I love this man. If I ever wanted to be anybody, I'd want to be Job without his problems. <laughs> One of the most blessed men in the Old Testament, the Word says that, blessed, highly esteemed, thought of wonderfully. And what I like about it, he was rich, very rich. I wish we had a Moses in this church. I wish we had a Job in this church. I wish we had the tithe off of the wealth of Job in this church. And, you know, and by the way, if times get too much rougher, they're going to raise tithes up to 20%. So <laughs> give while you have time. It's down to 10%. I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. But the Bible says that Job, a day came... When all of his wealth was taken from him, every dime that he had was swept away. In a moment of time, it was gone. Here today and gone tomorrow. All the wealth, the financial wealth, everything that he had was taken away immediately. But then the blow that brought him to his knees was when all of his family was taken away from him. Children were taken from him, died in a storm, all of them. And then later on, his own wife saying, curse God and die. Lost the love of that wife. How much deeper in a valley can you get than that? How much deeper? How much more can you bear? How much more can you suffer? How much more can be piled up on you and you not buckle? But he didn't buckle. He said, I know. I know. I know my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at that latter day, and I shall behold him with my eyes and not another. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And a few more years goes by, and everything that Satan had taken from him, God gave him twice that much. How? Now I'd really like one to pay tithes in my church. But since I don't have a church, I hope he pays, pays tithes in this church, and I'll get my little cut out of it. <laughs> the Bible said it's all over. God had restored everything that he had twofold, twice. And the Bible said he gave him... An entire new family, seven sons, three daughters. But I love what the last verse in Job says. Job lived a hundred, after this, after God had restored the property, after God had restored the wealth, after God had, had restored the family, after all of this, you talk about a retirement, 140 
years long his retirement. And Job saw four generations. His son, his grandson, his great-grandson, his great-great-grandson. And the Bible said he died looking like Brother Larry Myers, an old man, full. You know what I think that he would have said at the end of his life? I think Job, looking back over all the tragedies of his life, would have said to God, Pero vale la pena. It's worth it all. It was worth it all to see what you can do and have done in my life. Vale la pena. John Miller, he said I could go to about 12.45. It'll take that long for me to tell you about this great man. No, I'm not going to skip this point. You, you heard what he said, I'm an overseer over. That means everything in here is under. That means you're pastor too. For right now, because I'm, I'm in the pulpit. But imagine 20 years ago, or something like that, tall, skinny drink of water with a beautiful young lady came into this church and accepted the pastorate of it. In the morning service, I, I, I kind of put it like this. You're hot. You're tired. You're worn out. You've walked all day. You're thirsty. And you see this beautiful little shade tree. And you think, my, how good you are, God. And you walk over there and you sit down underneath that pretty little shade tree. And you, this is what happened. They walked into this church. Beautiful. People beautiful. Everything was wonderful. But you get under that little shade tree and you look up and it's full of waspness. And somebody comes in and shakes that tree and you're fighting everything. When your pastors took the church over those years ago, there was a tremendous debt. They had no structure like they have now. Patiently, patiently, they put what you have today together with a staff, with a group of men and women that helped them. And they endured all of the pain, all of the wasp sting. They endured it all. They endured it. They endured it. They endured it. And today, they're blessed with a great congregation. Would you say Vale La Pena? Would you say it was worth it all? On behalf of every soul in this building, I would say Vale La Pena. Worth every struggle, worth every heartache worth every hour of prayer, worth every tear you shed, worth every counsel that you counsel your people with. Vale la pena, because you have it now. And it's beautiful. Let me go a little bit further. Carlos Tovia Cortez. How many in this church knows who Carlos Tovia Cortez is? Lift your hand up high. Rest of it, you've missed a great opportunity to... To know a man. God sent me to Chiapas to disciple this young man who was only in his 20s. When I got there, he was married to a preacher's daughter. Not for very long. Very legalistic preacher. Reigning with an iron grip on his daughter's. They knew not what the world tastes like. 
They knew not the experiences of the world. And as she grows up, she's married to Carlos. She wants to dabble a little bit out there in the world, see what it's like on the other side of the fence. Started staying out two or three hours in the daytime. Then a little bit later, started coming in about dark. Then started coming in about 9 at night. Then started coming in maybe 10, 11 o'clock. And then started not even coming in. And then she came in one time too many. And she said, Carlos, I don't want this life. I want a divorce. And left him. Now here we have a, a preacher pastoring a church now. And the scandal, much like in Stephen's council there, all the backbiting and uh, you can imagine the pain that was cutting him every day when gossiping people were saying this about it, this about it, this about it. So he goes to the pulpit. He said, turn to Psalms 23. And he reads Psalms 23 and he says, I have entered the valley of the shadow of death. How long it is, I do not know. How deep it is, I do not know. I walked with Carlos 10 years through that valley. He's my disciple. I'm discipling him. I'm, I'm trying to pour into him. I'm trying to strengthen him. And so I walked side by side with this young man for 10 long years. 10 years to the day, to the day, to the actual hour, 10 years. Goes back to the pulpit said, please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms 23. They all turned. He read it. And he says to them, I want to announce to you, today I've exited the valley of the shadow of death. I invite you to my wedding two weeks from now. From Switzerland, God sent a little girl across the ocean to be the strength to stand by the side, to be in prayer with Carlos. And they married. You know who married them? Guess the pleasure to marry him. Pleasure. God gave them two little boys. One, the great little guy. The other, the little knothead. Today, I, yesterday, day before yesterday, I got a picture from Carlos. And he's sitting in a beautiful Denali. Anybody knows what a Denali is? It's a GMC top-of-the-line truck. Even the seat, the air-conditioned and heated. friend of mine joined me, and we bought it for him. Well, he's got the truck that, that Brother Rick donated. Nobody will ever get that. But we drive that up in the mountains on the rough roads. This one is for Carlos to crisscross all of Mexico visiting his pastors. And on top of that, before Christmas, there'll be a brand new custom-made kitchen put in his house. Brand new refrigerator. Brand new stove. Carlos had a green about that wide while he's sitting in that Denali. Someone took his picture and he sent it. He has it on the phone. You know what that grin represented? Vale la pena. Worth it all, God. Worth it all, God. Everything that happened to me, it was worth it all. 
because I endured the pain. I endured the struggle. I endured it all. Now I won't talk too much about myself. I still got about five minutes, ten minutes. But I told the congregation this morning, you're probably looking at the most blessed missionary you've ever seen. The happiest one. 55 years and counting. That lady right there must have resembled Job's daughters because the Bible said they were the fairest in all the land. I told her, I said, I'm going to have you stand and turn around. And she said, I'll kill you. So I don't want to die. But I am a blessed man. I am a blessed, I am a tremendously blessed man with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors who would do anything I asked them to do. Loyal, loyal, loyal to the letter. But it hadn't always been like that. Pastor said, tell them a little bit about your problems. Well, I didn't have too many problems. For a long time, I lived in a shed over a dump. And I bathed in a water bucket. Not a five-gallon bucket, a water bucket. I bathed in that water bucket. For months and months and months. One time I was in the northern part of Mexico. Pastor, tell you about me having a flat and a blowout and having to roll those tires to cross the desert to find a road where I could get them fixed. That was nothing. I was working in the northern part of Mexico. I was sleeping on the church floor. No water, no water whatsoever. And at the end of a week, I started heading back home. I had no money, no water, no money. Hopefully, I have enough gas to get to the border. I began to smell something. Didn't smell too good. So I finally realized what the odor was coming from. It wasn't something dead in the, the, the vehicle. It, it, it was me. I hadn't bathed in weeks. It was me. So I thought, I've got to stop at a store and buy some deodorant and cover it up because it bothers me. And so I pull into a store in Monterey, a big store, like a big, huge Walmart. And I walk into the store. I go into the store, and I go to the deodorant counter. And I pulled out my change. I had no bills. I checked the price of that one. No. I checked the price of that one. No. I checked the price of that. No, I don't have enough for any deodorant. So what do you do? You remember what David did when he was hungry? When he went in the temple? You remember how he borrowed a little bit of that bread that was inside that temple? So I looked down the aisle and nobody's looking. Nobody's there. I looked down that aisle, the other end and there's nobody there. Alabama, you've never been in that problem. Ever, ever, ever. And so I reach up and I take a, a, a can of the spray deodorant. I didn't want to rub that on the filth. And so I raid my arm. I, I raid my arm. I put the lid on, put it back on the counter, and out the store I went. You talk about bad, bad times? I've been locked up in Cuba, screamed at by the military, shot at in Guatemala. Guatemala. Called before the council in Antioch, accused that I had no respect for the flag. Mexico. But I'm going to tell you something. When the day comes, 
for me to step out of this world into the world that's waiting for me. I want to be like Stephen. I want to look up and see him. And then I will say to him, Lord, before you take the gravity away, before you lift me on up, I want you to know, Valley La Pena, it was worth it all just to have the opportunity of living forever and ever with my Christ. God loves you. I know you're going through struggle. I'm calling your pastor to come. He loves you. He loves you, but not quite as much as God loves you. God knows the very intent of your heart. If you're struggling, if you're in that valley, if you're going through the difficulties, here's the man that will tell you how to get out of it. And when you come out of it, you'll join me, you'll join Moses, you'll join Job, you'll join Stephen. And you'll say, God, it was worth it all for what's awaiting me in heaven. Valley La Pena. Pastor, will you come? Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? We're going to worship the Lord with one song. As I was listening to this message, what in the world is worth it when you go through the pain? Let me tell you. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul described a time in life where he said it was so bad, I thought I was going to die. But listen to this. He said, this happened so I wouldn't depend on myself, but on God who raises the dead. Nobody likes pain, but pain is a part of life. Nobody likes a dark hole in front of you not knowing what's going to happen, but guess what? It happens in our life. I didn't share this in the other services, but I'll share it with you today. My wife and I are standing in front of a, a dark hole right now. My wife was diagnosed with breast cancer about a week ago. And uh, so we're starting a journey we've never walked down before. But you know what? God's walked with us all the days of our life thus far, and God's going to walk us through every day to come. We'll follow the medical path, but guess what? We're going to follow the spiritual path, and every day look for God's miracle to come in our life. And you look at it, and you scratch your head, and I say, God, now look. I know my problems, and I've got some struggles, but Linnell's the godliest person I've ever met, and I know her. Why in the world has this happened to her? And at this point in time, there's not an answer. But you know what there is? There's a confidence, come on, that God is the one that is still in control, and God is the one that's going to see us through the end. You see, in your pain, in your valley, you're able to make a connection with God like no other time in your life. So pain, though it's not a good thing, pain can be a door to God. And can I tell you that? That is always a good thing. So we're going to close our service today giving you an opportunity for prayer. If you're here today and maybe there's some pain in your life, maybe there's an emptiness in your life where God is just missing, I'm going to tell you, friends, you can know the Christ that can set you free and God can change your life. But you may be in something today that is something that you don't know how in the world you're going to get out of it, what you're going to do, but you just want to join us and stand in the altar and come and say, Lord Jesus, we're committing our life to you, and we're trusting you that you're going to help us get through the other side of this thing. May I interrupt this? And I would like for Linnell and John to stand right here. And I'd like to call on Moses' church, the church, the body that these people have loved and pastored forever. Every last one of you, she needs your help. He needs your help. I want you to come around, pray with these. And while you're coming, if you have a need, 
know that you are going to be covered as well. Would you come? Would you come and stand around? All of you, all that love her, all that love Pastor John, will you come? Just say, we're with you. We'll not leave you. We're going to be like Jesus Christ. We're not going to leave you. We're not going to forsake you. We're going to be with you. We're going to be with you through your hurt, through your pain, through your prayers, through your suffering. We are going through that valley with you all of the way. Absolutely. God gave this to me this week. We've been reading it in our quiet time here at the church. It's 2 Timothy 2.10. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. You are surrounded by a great witness here today. Come on. Get up here around you. No one would ever be able to take their place. It was God calling. Just come on around. Gather up. Fill the platform up. And when you come, bring your faith. Bring your prayers. Bring your love. Just begin to lift them up in prayer. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Father, this congregation loves you. Father, this people loves these pastors. Father, we're going to stand with Pastor Linnell and Pastor John. Father, no matter how long the valley is, like while stood with Carlos, Lord, this church is going to stand with these pastors, God. We're going to walk through the fire, cross the river. We're going to be with them, Father. In every waking hour of our lives, they're going to be always on our heart, in our heart, and on our mind. God, we pray for, the, for wisdom to the doctors. We pray for divine intervention, God. We pray, God, that you will come up on the scene and will lay your hand upon them and say, Peace, peace be still and cure this thing. There's much to the journey ahead, much, Lord, Lord that needs to be done in Church on the Rock in Texarkana. Now, Father, heal our pastor. Heal our pastor. Heal our pastors, Father. We cry out in the name of Jesus. And we say, Lord, heal our pastors. Heal our pastors. And all others who have come, who are facing their valleys, who are facing their difficulties. Father, the same congregation covers one another. Oh, God, we stand together as one before the Almighty God. Bless in Jesus' name. Bless in Jesus' name. Blessed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, look at this congregation. Look at your people, God, that you saved. They love you, and they love their leaders, God. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, my Lord. Touch them all, Lord. Everyone that has even a little bitty problem, meet that need, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the nombre de Cristo.